Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Support for Talking Art comes from Quad City Bank and Trust, providing consumer and commercial banking as well as trust and asset management. For more information, visit QCBT.bank or stop by one of QCBT's five locations. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Andre Kozlowski, a classical pianist and the owner and director of the Sound Conservatory in Rock Island. Hi there, Andre. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you for having me here. Of course. Now, you opened a year ago the Sound Conservatory, which is in downtown Rock Island, and I initially heard about you through your concert series, but your primary focus is actually musical education. Correct. What type of instruction are you offering? Uh, so we, our goal is to offer instruction in all instruments, uh, you know, from orchestral instruments, band instruments, uh, a combo instrumentation, uh, ranging all the way from classical to contemporary music uh, for students of all ages. Mm-hmm. Piano as well and voice, I understand. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, beyond music lessons, you offer a variety of other services, which we'll talk about. But I wanted mm-hmm. to start because it, it's so interesting to me with piano restoration. It's, you know, it's very unusual and it's very artistic. It requires a lot of craftsmanship. So what type of pianos do you restore and how did you learn to do this? Well, um, when I was uh, in my late teens, um, I developed a fascination with the instrument as far as, you know, how it's built, you know, how it works. And uh, I listened to an interview of uh, one of my favorite pianists, uh, Christian Zimmerman, and he said something that really stuck with me and made sense. Uh, he said that uh, every pianist should understand how to work on a piano because then you understand where the instrument is sick and where it needs to be worked on. And also it allows you to adapt to the instrument knowing uh, what's going on. So um, for about three years, I did an apprenticeship at Piano Tech in Huntington, New York, uh, learning all sorts of things about piano repairs and rebuilding. Um, I never had intentions of doing it professionally. I just did it for just the curiosity and wanting to be able to take care of my own instrument. Uh, now here I am uh, doing it. Um, you know, we are expanding uh, into that aspect of our business little by little. Our shop is growing uh, every week. Uh, we've done a couple of projects for customers restoring, uh, you know, historic pianos from their early 20th century. Um, and, uh, you know, so far it's it's going in a great way. We're partnered with uh, Gene Tates, who's a fantastic piano technician and tuner. And uh, he's been helping me kind of uh, brush up the things I learned. And also he's got this incredible knowledge of uh, different techniques that are being used out there, which has been an incredible resource for us to be able to offer the services we do. Mm. I was fortunate enough to be able to get a back tour of your place and and there's there are a variety of, of beautiful old historic um really antique pieces that are around they they remind me of, of humans almost in a way that you know that you're lovingly caring for yeah it, it, it i mean it is a living breathing instrument majority of it is made out of wood in an organic material and 
no matter how great the quality of manufacturing a piano is, uh, each one is going to be different from the last. And no matter, no matter how much you try to make them exactly the same, you know, the, each piece of wood is a little bit different, and uh, you know, little characteristic difference from one piano to the next. Uh, and, and that's something that always fascinated me about the instrument is that it just the different types of pianos that are out there, the sounds, the touch, and the aesthetics of them. Mm -hmm. You also offer sales and rental of pianos and many more instruments. Correct, yeah. Um, it, our focus is primarily on used pianos and uh, instruments, uh, and pr specifically quality instruments uh, from brand names that are very well respected in the industry. Uh, and the reason why we do this is, uh, you know, not everyone can afford a brand new piano, nor is it really always necessary to buy a brand new instrument. Uh, and by doing what we do, we open up the doors for many to be able to afford an instrument. And even if they can't afford it, we do have that rental option, which allows people to take a piano home while we deliver it for them and uh, build credit towards the purchase of any of our pianos. Uh, and that's one of our big missions is making piano and musical instruments more accessible to families here in the Quad Cities of, from all economic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I love the aspect of making music financially realistic, which, which, which is what you're doing. Besides used pianos, you, you are a licensed dealer for Mason and Hamlin pianos. And Correct. What, what can you tell us about, about that line? Oh, man, um... I have a slight obsession with them. I, I own a 1928 Mason and Hamlin concert grand. Mm. Uh, I have a Mason and Hamlin piano in my teaching studio. Uh, they are one of the most incredible piano makers in the world. And uh, not too many people are familiar with them because of their very small uh, production line. You know, they make about 250 pianos a year. Uh, they're still making them in the same techniques and methods they did, that they did about 100 plus years ago. Uh, because they realized that there's nothing to change or perfect. The instrument was perfect then. Keep making it the way it was. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so we do make some of those pianos available uh, to our customers, new from the Mason and Hamlin factories, as well as uh, a collection of used pianos mm -hmm. we're restoring as well. Where are they manufactured? Uh, they're in Haverhill, um, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. Mm -hmm. Well, so many students right now are coming through and getting instruction from you. I understand mm -hmm. you have over 200 yes, right now. We're approaching about 220 students, uh, ranging from all kinds of instruments, uh, beginner levels to advanced, professional, and all ages. It's it's quite, quite fantastic. Yeah. Because you've just been here a year. I think mm -hmm. you opened up in March of 2022. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my first exposure to you was through your event space. So mm -hmm. right now you do have a concert series that's going on and there it's conducted in the in the main lobby, your showroom area. Yes. Yeah. How did that take off? Well, um, originally we started it out with a, uh, a scholarship fundraiser to raise money for uh, students who wanted to take lessons but weren't able to afford it financially. Um and since we started doing that in April of last year, it's been growing. Uh, we eventually had to move into the space we're in now. We moved from 2,000 square feet to, you know, 20 times that in square footage. Um, and what we do currently right now, we're, we clear out our showroom and uh, we can fit about 150 people in our uh, gallery. 
Uh, and uh, we've got performances ranging from classical all the way to contemporary rock, jazz, folk music, uh, you name it. We're, we're trying to bring all of that into downtown Rock Island uh, with future plans of expanding into the second floor of our building, uh, which is going to seat about 450 people. Uh, opening up the doors for much larger performances and performers from around the world, mm-hmm. which is just going to be amazing. I, yeah, yeah, I and the sound so. the Sound Conservatory for those who are, aren't familiar with it, it's located on the corner of Second Avenue and Sixteenth Street in downtown Rock Island. Uh, and before you moved in, it was an annex building for the YWCA. What can you tell us about the the history behind the building? Oh, it's quite an amazing building. Um, it was built in 1901 originally as the Illinois Theater. It was a vaudeville theater. Uh, and I believe it, it, they had that running for about 30 years, and then it um, traded hands to Montgomery Ward uh, and was a department store for a while. And um, I know it changed hands a couple more times. I don't remember the exact details. Uh, it eventually landed in the hands of Hyman's Furniture, uh, which was then uh, transferred over to the YWCA, now with them uh, having their new space built, they were looking to sell the building. Uh, and um, uh, Jack Cullen introduced me to um, uh, Julie over at YWCA. We looked at the building and instantly I saw all of my future plans laid out <laughs> oh. within seconds in that building. And it, it just couldn't be any more perfect. Yeah. Um, and to me, it just it feels like a full circle has happened. You know, the building is back into the arts. Yeah, which is so curious, isn't it, that that's how it originated. And it it's quite a visible space being on the corner, which I yeah. uh, really love as well. And over the course of this past year, you've been transforming the space because mm-hmm. it required a lot of work to, oh, yeah. to, to, to change, to evolve from an annex building for the YWCA into your current space with the showroom and uh, spaces for musical instruction. So, and you're also doing a majority of the work yourself. That's correct. Yeah. How did you need to modify the building in order to accommodate a music conservatory? And how did you acquire your skills? Well, so I used to be a general contractor. And, um, you know, I, when I was younger, I worked with a realtor uh, flipping houses. So I learned mm-hmm. a lot of basic techniques that way, which then a years later, um, you know, after I did quit music for a few years, I went into construction and um, started building a business, you know, that specialized in remodeling homes, um, you know, decks, fences and such. Uh, And um, eventually I I realized I needed to get back into music, which um, I think there was a whole plan along there that I needed to get away to learn this skill. And, um, I was able to apply those skills into the construction of, uh, you know, both my first location and this location. Uh, You know, the first floor we had to build out, you know, the 10 lesson rooms uh, that we currently have and, um, you know, refinish some of the flooring, install new flooring, redo the bathrooms a bit, um, redo some of the electrical uh, as well as uh, just, you know, fresh paint, redecorating the space and then filling it with instruments right and the lesson rooms also needed to be soundproof so yes. you were able to do all of that yes so yeah. you know they're not you know 100 percent soundproof uh 
as you know, I wanted to conserve as much space uh, for the lesson rooms. Uh, you know, my belief is that a teacher should be teaching out of a large room to make sure the sound is fuller. They're also, you know, in a more comfortable setting where they can set up a desk, have a, their bookcase there. And, you know, it, in some cases, we have teachers who have two pianos in their room so they can have a student at one and the teacher at the other. It just it makes it more... Uh, professional environment for the teachers but um, you know we are able to soundproof the rooms pretty well where you could barely hear through the walls mm -hmm. and if you can it's not enough to interrupt the lessons. I'm pretty sure you're the first classical pianist I've ever met who is also experienced <laughs> in construction <laughs> and it's uh, you know it's a good uh, com combination of skills because because you are a business you know person this is your yeah. business you started it from scratch and yeah. and you've saved thousands of tens of thousands oh, yeah. of dollars probably with with the ability to do it yourself yeah. it, it, it doing that also allowed me to uh, grow the business at a quicker rate invest the money back into our programs into our inventory and teachers uh, so that way um, we can guarantee a successful future for us and for my employees uh, you know, we have 12 teachers there currently, uh, as well as other employees uh, for retail and piano moving division. Um, and, uh, you know, if I had to hire contractors to do everything I did, um, we would be only about 15 percent, 20 percent of, you know, the distance we've gone so far. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the performances on the current showroom floor are beautiful. I oh, can't wait <laughs> for the second floor to be transformed. There's an yeah. old, a very beautiful elevator that will take you up oh, there. Yeah. yeah, and you're in the process of uh, starting the, to create a stage and Correct. to do the other necessary work to make yeah. that Yeah, we're, that we're still working on uh, the financing for the building. Uh, you know, we are in, a, in agreement to purchase the building from the YWCA, we had some hiccups along the way with uh, the financing, but uh, you know we're we're getting there. Um, but as soon as we close on the building, the next day I will be up there, <laughs> getting everything started. Um, and um, you know we're trying to tie in um, the history of the building uh, into something modern mm -hmm. with our design. And uh, I think we've got a really fascinating design that's going to be up there. Uh, that we will be releasing on our website as soon as everything goes through. It, there's going to be 3D renderings of what the space will look like so people can get an idea. And as soon as we get that going, we're going full force booking concerts from all over the world. Mm. Well, Rock Island is so fortunate to have you there. And, you know, and I'm curious about yourself personally. At the age of eight, you emigrated to New York. Mm -hmm. From Poland, and you grew up in Long Island. Mm -hmm. Were any of your family members musicians? Yes, uh, my, my father was uh, an opera singer. He was a baritone, and uh, you know he's always had a passion for the arts. And um, oddly enough, he he didn't you know push music on uh, myself or my sister. Um, he kind of just let us discover it on our own. And um, you know, there's. A story as to how I got into music, and uh, it, it was an intentional, which usually I find is always when the great things happen is when they're not intended to happen. Right. Well, do you mind talking about that a little bit? Because you uh, sure. were you were um, exposed by your father who played some music. Yes. So 
Um, you know, I, I grew up, um, you know, my dad was a single parent. It was me, my dad, my sister. And, you know, we, we, we struggled financially. I, and, uh, you know, my dad worked really hard to uh, make sure that we didn't feel that. Uh, you know, that hardship that we were able to have and experience what everyone else had access to. Uh, and one of the things that was very important to him was uh, the feeling of being together as a family. Uh, so Sundays, uh, he decided that we're going to have brunches together and we're going to sit there and listen to all kinds of music every Sunday. And, um, you know, I, I liked music, um, you know, I but I wasn't you know, interested in music uh, other than just listening to it. You know, my favorite artists were Nirvana and Korn, which <laughs> till this day I still love those two bands, uh, which surprises many people being a classical pianist. But um, this one particular Sunday, my father put on a CD of uh, Chopin Nocturnes uh, performed by Claudio Orao, and I, I, I still have the CD till this day. And uh, to me, I'm like, oh, great, piano, classical music. <laughs> but we got, you know, a few tracks into the CD, and uh, we get to this one particular nocturne, Opus 27, number two in D-flat major. And um, I, I started to experience the music emotionally and not so much auditorially. It, it, it was something very different for me and um it resonated with how i felt at the time and um i started sneaking the cd out myself and listening to it then started to borrow some of my sister's cds and listening to those and uh, and how as, old were you i was 11 at this time mm -hmm. and then uh, as my 12th birthday approached my dad's like so you know your birthday's coming up is there anything you'd want uh, in particular I'm like, I want a piano. What? <laughs> he was confused. He didn't uh, know you'd been sneaking. No, the no, no. He, he, CD. He, I, yeah, well, I did. You know, I was taking the CDs from my <laughs> sister, <laughs> and she found out I, I was a goner. But uh, um, so you know, financially, that was not a realistic thing for us to buy a piano. But uh, my dad did buy me a uh, a little five octave keyboard, and that's how I got my start. And in, within about a year, um, it got to a point where I outgrew I, I what the capabilities were on that instrument. And um, my dad was fortunate to know a piano tuner um, at his job who helped us acquire, you know, a nice little uh, Fisher upright um, New York-made piano. And, um, you know, eventually I outgrew that. And by the time I was 15, I, was, I began performing uh, all over the place uh, in New York and outside of New York. Um, so and, just three uh, years later. I mean, that's, yeah, I that's was, really extraordinary. I was obsessed. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, every moment I got, I was sitting at the piano playing. Well, and you ultimately went on to the Juilliard School yeah. for piano performance, which is really quite extraordinary. And, and, you know, your whole story, it's such a beautiful one, but it illustrates the transformative power of music. Yeah. It's it's one of the reasons why I believe we need uh, what we're doing here in the community. Uh, you know, everyone needs some type of outlet for whatever reason it may be. Uh, and, you know, outside of that, just the 
the educational and intellectual benefits of studying and learning a musical instrument, um, we need that. And mm -hmm. I feel that's something that um, is in really high demand here in the Quad Cities. And we have so many great musicians, and uh, I just feel that we don't have enough educational opportunity. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what we originally uh, opened this business for, was just to be a teaching academy. Everything else started to kind of just build on that as we noticed the demand for all these other things. Yeah, and it will open up dreams for those those students. Just like when you were younger, you also had a yeah. dream. I read this on your website that you told your father you hoped to be the next Paderewski. He was a musical inspiration of yours, and, yeah. and your s students may have similar hopes. But what can you tell us about the Polish composer and pianist Paderewski. Well, Paderewski, I mean, he is a marvel. Um, you know, he's prime minister of Poland uh, right after uh, World or during World War One, and uh, he was one of the people responsible for writing and signing the Treaty of Versailles. Uh, he was a political advisor to two U.S. presidents. Uh, he was a great composer. I mean, the piano literature he wrote was just tremendous uh, and on top of that being one of the greatest pianists in history um he was a rock star of his mm -hmm. day when it came to piano and just all music uh and you know being polish and seeing someone like that and having such an important status and influence on uh, those around him in the world that that just inspired me and um you know him and Chopin are the two people that I admire the most in music history. Uh, and they're definitely part of the driving force behind what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. One thing that I thought was was interesting when I read about Paderewski is he was a Freemason. So he, so those those uh, you know people who who belong to those kind of fraternal organizations, I guess I would say, were very hands-on. they were mm -hmm. they were craftsmen. They were they built these immaculate buildings, and with you in construction and you reworking your building and rebuilding um, pianos as well. I just I just thought that there were so many similarities. I, I wish I you know had a tenth of his <laughs> oh. capabilities. He he was an incredible uh, person. Uh, on top of everything else, uh, during his time, he was one of the biggest uh, philanthropers in the world. I mean, mm -hmm. the amount of money. He raised and donated to you know the uh, Polish independence, and the arts programs was just unbelievable. And um, you know, it, it, when you convert the dollars he contributed, it, it it converts into hundreds of billions of dollars in today's currency. Yeah, it's an, an incredible thing he did. Mm -hmm. So, another thing that is just so admirable, admirable about him that um, you know. We need more people doing things like mm -hmm. that. Well, Andre, you moved here to the Quad Cities mm -hmm. from Arizona and ended up in our community after a very deliberate search. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you arrived here without the pull of a family or past experience. So mm -hmm. so what criteria were you looking for in a community? And how did we get so lucky to have you join here, join us here? Well, uh, I, personally, I feel lucky because it's, it's really the first time I feel at home. Um, living somewhere you know grew up in you know Poland New York Colorado and Arizona this is the first time that I felt at home and not just mm -hmm. being part living somewhere and um 
you know, it, it was a unintentional thing that uh, we happened to look for a new place to live. Um, you know, my father was having some health issues uh, that we needed to help him with. And um, we said, okay, we need to move him closer to our home in Tucson. Um, but financially, the, you know, the housing market there was just too expensive where it would have um, eaten into his retirement funds. So we're like, okay, we let's look at options outside of uh, Arizona. And uh, so we started digging online, uh, a few sources, researching quality of life, cost of living. Uh, another thing that was important was the type of weather and climate. And um, uh, we came across a few cities, um, but the Quad Cities uh, really stuck out to us. Uh, you know, the cost of housing here is fantastic, you know, for what you can get for it. Um, to me, because I drive a lot of miles, lack of traffic, It's mm. I, I, I love it here with that. Um, the people, you know, people are very social. They're, people love to interact here. You know, they're very friendly. Um, and then also, uh, you know, with uh, music being an important part of my life, basically my entire life. I needed a place that I could do something with it again, going back to it from construction uh, into music professionally. And, um, you know, reading up how the Quad Cities ranked number 11th uh, in the country, most musicians per capita, um, just the, the, the Quad City Symphony Orchestra being one of the top orchestras uh, and, I realized, okay, I think this is the mm -hmm. place. And the other one is the historic homes. Uh, growing up on Long Island, there's a lot of historic houses there. And uh, I said to my wife, if we're going to move and buy another house, I want a historic house. And you are here in the Broadway Correct. district, I think, yes. of Rock Island, which mm -hmm. is just perfect. So so that's incredible. I mean, you said it was unintentional, but yet it sounds in intentional to me because of the, the cost of living, the robust musical community. Mm -hmm. And we really do have that here. Yeah. It's yeah. people, people um, who haven't lived outside of the area, I, I think they don't realize what mm -hmm. they have here. And being someone that's lived in several parts of the country, we've got an incredible community here yeah. uh, from all aspects. And you've added to that, you know, with your concert series. So I do want to talk briefly mm -hmm. about that. You offered initially, I think it was five performances, but you've added an, in an additional one or two. Mm -hmm. The tickets are very reasonable. They start at $15. Uh, and I do have to put a personal plug in. You yourself are going to perform yes. <laughs> Chopin concert on Sunday, August 20th, and that will be mm -hmm. 6.30 p.m. It's all Chopin music. Mm -hmm. Um do you, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, uh, you know, so the, the concert will be focusing on the music of Chopin and his life. So it's mm -hmm. it, it's not going to be just a performance of the music, but I'm going to be speaking about the life of Chopin. Um, uh, to me, I think this will be an important concert to help people understand where I'm coming from mm -hmm. uh, with my fascination with his music and his influence on the piano. Um and, and, and your shared mm -hmm. ancestry, too, which is so interesting, mm -hmm. being both Polish. Polish and, you know, yes. for years, I thought Chopin was French. I made that mistake. He, he lived there most uh -huh. of his life. You know, he was uh, under the threat of, uh, you know, the Russian occupation and him refusing to play for the Russian czar. 
um, basically they put a death sentence on him so he had to escape and uh, was never able to return home. But you can clearly hear in his music, it, you know, his music really depicts his homesickness and uh, his pride in being Polish, you know, writing the Polonaises, the Mazurkas, the four ballads, which are supposedly uh, framed after uh, uh, four poems re written by Adam Mickiewicz, uh, who's one of the most famous uh, Polish writers and poets. Um, and, uh, you know, his association with numerous Polish uh, artists and musicians in uh, the Parisian community. Um, uh, and when he passed, you know, one of the things he asked was uh, to have his heart carved out and brought back to his home. Oh, I did not and, know and that. And it's till this day on display at the Holy Cross Church his in Warsaw. Heart? Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, part of the reason that was he had the fear of being buried alive as well, but he wanted his heart to be taken oh, to that's Poland. Unbelievable! I hope you share that at your performance. Yeah, we will be talking about in that. August. Yes. But outside of that, we've got numerous other great concerts. Um, you know, we just had multi Grammy winning uh, jazz pianist Lawrence Hobgood and his trio. Uh, my trio just performed this past uh, Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, Saturday. Uh, and July 1st, we've got multi-Grammy winning uh, trumpet player, composer, big band leader, uh, John DeVersa and pianist Tal Cohen uh, doing a concert uh, featuring their album, uh, The Art of the Duo, which is an amazing album. Uh, so we're very excited to have them. Um, and then July 22nd, we just booked... Uh, local pianist and composer Bill Campbell, uh, who is going to be doing his um, uh, vinyl release as well as his farewell concert as he will be leaving the Quad City community, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Uh, but we're very excited to um, have him perform at our space. And then we've got my solo concert on August 20th, uh, as you mentioned before. But we've already got a fantastic lineup for the fall series coming up including um steve grismore and his jazz trio uh, matt fuller band sarah joy music from texas and a few others that we're working on still well i can't wait we have so many things to look forward to andre kozlowski thank you so much for talking today and for your work revitalizing downtown rock island through music thank you Check out the Sound Conservatory at 1600 2nd Avenue in downtown Rock Island. They offer musical instruction, piano restoration, an in-house concert series, and so much more. On July 1st, multi-Grammy award-winning trumpeter John DeVersa will be performing with jazz pianist Tal Cohen. And on August 20th, you can hear director and classical pianist Andrei Kozlowski himself perform a Chopin concert entitled Chopin and His Life. For more information and for concert tickets, visit soundconservatory.com. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. <laughs>